and welcome back to my podcast. My name is Lana Lynn Marino and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Wellness. I'm an intuitive therapist and energy healer and I'm here to give you some guidance and support in these challenging times. So this episode today I'm going to be talking about relationships. Relationships and wow, relationships. We can't live with them sometimes and we can't live without them because we're all attached to each other. But relationships, it's a hard one. And sometimes, you know, that hard relationship that we're in, it can be so damaging to our spirit, to our soul. And sometimes we put ourselves aside in order for others to survive. And the rescue, the rescuer in me, what is it about my need to rescue someone else? What is, why, why do you need to, to rescue someone else? Is it a question that you've always asked yourself? Is it something that you want to know? Why do I need to feel happy by making someone else happy? Why, why, should, why am I not happy unless someone else is happy? That's the correct way of looking at it. Well, I've just had a, a breakup with my sister who's 18 months younger than me. And it's, it's interesting because since COVID, since lockdown, since the beginning of last year, when everything happened, there's been people leaving my life and it's been interesting to watch as this is unfolded and one friend of 52 years um, basically said it was all about me and uh, yeah she, she didn't feel that our relationship anymore could could carry on and it made me think about that you know at the time is it all about me I thought I come to the conclusion actually yes and I, I've never actually said that before is all about me so when we look at when I look at my relationship with people I was always a people pleaser I was always the one trying to please everyone make sure that I was the one that was given without getting anything back and it took me a long time to realize that a lot of my self-worth was based on giving and the expectation of getting something back in return and that's the thing, you know, once we can understand, you know, where our, how our, what our self-worth is based on, it can help to change the relationships that we have with others. So, yeah, relationships are difficult and my relationship breakup with my sister, it's been coming for a long time, very long time, but the only time that I really felt free of her this time was when I deleted everything, all her contact numbers, everything out of my phone. So you're probably wondering at this point, you know, well, why would you break up with your sister? You know, it's your family. And that's that's the point. Why do we hold on to family? Why do we hold on to family who abuse us? Because it's family. Why do we allow that to happen? Why do we allow ourselves to be abused by family members? And I think from an energetic point of view, that cord you know, the uh, biological, the relationship cords, energetic cords that come from our heart to our biological family. And they can go further. They're attached all the way through generations, through the ancestral link. But that cord, um, to bringing this back to myself, on a personal level, it's it's been very intact in terms of the pain that we shared. So we shared the same pain, we shared the same story, we've shared the same suffering, we shared the same experiences. So that has bonded us together or it did bond us together. And 
as I'm learning now, as I go through life, that we can choose at any time to break a relationship. If we look at the cords that are that come from us to loved ones, to society, to relationships, to anything that is negative, if we choose to break those cords or to release those cords, what happens? It's like a, a plant that a new seed that is coming up and you need to nurture it and you need to water it and it's a new relationship that's growing and that's how I see things that's how I see relationships but first of all as in the case with me and my sister I've had to not cut that cord completely but I've had to release the hook that was on the end of the cord if that makes sense so in a way there was a cord kind of hooked into my heart and the other end of that cord was hooked into her. So what I've done is I've, I've taken the hook out of her, which in some ways is going to hopefully enable her to carry on in the way that she doesn't have the same support system um, and the enabling that I've given her, you know, throughout our life together. It's sad to think that there's a possibility that I could lose my sister and I'm not going to be by her side when you know things more things happen in her life but she's been through so much and physically she suffers um, physically with lots of different ailments emotionally mentally she's got a lot going on but recognizing when you become the batting board for or the, the punch bag for someone's pain why do we hold on to that? Why do we take it? And again, it's because it's our sibling, it's our family, it's our mother, it's our father. So moving forward into relationships and explaining relationships, recently I've had a lot of women coming to me um, with the relationship that they have with the narcissistic mother. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, the narcissist the narcissistic mother. Who is she? What is she? Why do, why do women especially try to keep a relationship going with the narcissistic mother? Well, working with a client recently as an example, and uh, her partner's mother is very much a narcissist. And to keep her daughter, to keep her daughter in a very, um, controlling, suffocating place. She tends to control her in a way by making her feel guilty. So her child responds, and this is like a grown grown woman, her child responds by trying to please her mother. But it seems like the more she tried to please her mother, the less she was getting from her mother and the more controlling her mother became. So trying to explain to the client that actually what she needs to do, ideally, is to take a step back, is to move out of the mother's house and to find her own space. That's the challenge, that's the challenge, because the thing is with the narcissistic mother, they have some massive hooks that they hook into their children or to people. and those hooks can be very deeply embedded and sometimes it's it's based around uh, abandonment 
and neglect, uh, abuse that they've gone through, uh, rejection, insecurities. And the narcissist is born from never having enough or never being seen or feeling, believing that they're not seen or they're not heard or they're not loved or they're not nurtured enough. And for the best part, we don't start off by becoming, we don't start off by being narcissists. But it develops when the expectations of the mother starts to, she starts to realize that she didn't get enough in her childhood. So then the expectations go on to the children to fulfill the needs of her, to fulfill her needs, her needs that weren't met by her parents or her mother. So there's a cycle here that takes place, that happens, and it's a pattern that can form where then the child can become the narcissistic parent. And I see this more and more in women, and I think um, my, my personal theory is is that women, because we're more emotional than men, men are more practical about things, you know, they're, they can be more the uh, disciplinary, where the mother is, is tied, invested more into emotions. Women, should I say, are tied more into emotions. So it makes sense when, when I think about how the narcissistic mother, what can she do or what can, what can take place for the woman or the man that um, has this mother to deal with. Well, it's very important if you're if you're recognizing any of the traits that I'm talking about, and you're in that situation of being um, a child of a narcissist, then the best thing you can do is really, first of all, get into therapy. Once you start talking in therapy about your mother, your father, you know the narcissist, you start talking about things that have happened. You start asking questions, you know but she's my mother, but she's my mother. You know, I can't just give up on her. Um, once you start talking about this, if you've got a good therapist, that therapist will help to navigate you back into the start of the journey. What was her history? Where was she coming from? What happened to her? And how has that impacted on your relationship with her? What has brought you to this point to believe in that you are responsible for the adult? quite simply sometimes you know from my experience where the narcissistic mother who has the control who has to keep the control who suffocates the child who won't let her go who is who has that hook so embedded deeply into their heart that it's hard for that woman to to break away once you can start going to therapy once you can start talking about issues underneath all of the storylines is the emotions and the anger. It causes you to go into your own anger, your self-deprivation, where you haven't been allowed to express yourself. You haven't been allowed to talk about things. You haven't been allowed to ask for your needs to be met. If I was to say to my mother, um, please love me, that would seem very, very strange looking back at it, although my mother isn't here now, but looking back at it, for me to say to my mother, please love me, as an example, or why don't you love me enough? I did not have the emotional intelligence at that point to understand 
why I wasn't getting nurtured, why I wasn't getting the hugs, why I wasn't getting loved. So I related only to her pain and her suffering. I can see that now, but I didn't know at the time that she was suffering. She was suffering a lot. Things that had happened to her. Um, I wouldn't say that my mother was so much a narcissist, but she was more of the... She was more of the... Um, The mother that was the warrior. She was the archetype of the warrior. I believe that she loved me because she stood up for me. She stood up for me when racially I was I was abused as a child. I would come home and I would speak to her or cry to her about what had happened at school or on the street sometimes. I wouldn't because I didn't want to cause her any anguish or pain if if I could see she was having a hard time in life but as the warrior as the mother that in my eyes was the warrior and standing up for me I interpreted I interpreted that it interpreted that as her love so I was getting her love through her standing up for me and protecting me but now when I look back at it she was, there was displaced anger, displaced emotions that were coming out through the event of standing up for her children. And I would see her, I've seen my mother fight, I've seen her blow off and, and be really angry with people. And she really was the warrior woman in my eyes. I love my mum very much, but I couldn't turn to my mother. I couldn't go to her. I couldn't she I couldn't trust her with my emotions. The narcissistic mother is is very much the same. If you don't have the space to be able to be you as the child that you are, then you quickly become an adult while you're still a child. So there then starts to take place the role reversal. Going back to the client that I was talking about and the outcome of that being that basically she is going to put her mother, she feels she has to put her mother over her relationships. And um, it's quite sad really that women sometimes, you know, they, they give up on relationships when they feel that they 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 are abandoning their mother. So it's just being aware that when you go into therapy, you start talking about your childhood. You start talking about things that really relate to you and your past, your pain. What did I do wrong? Why doesn't my mother love me? Why doesn't she see me? I keep trying, but I'm not getting anywhere. My sisters, my brothers, they're all off doing their own thing, you know, and they're living their life. And my mother gives them more attention than me. Why? Why? What am I doing wrong? And I hear that quite a lot. What am I doing wrong? Why doesn't my mother love me? And quite simply, you're not doing anything wrong. What's happening is that you're trying to get something that she's never able to give. So it's not about her changing because maybe, you know, it's too far, it's too late in life. When you start to be the change that you want in her, 
then something shifts. There's a change that takes place. It's almost like um, you begin to focus, and that, that's the challenge. You begin to focus on what you want for yourself. You begin to ask yourself, you know, what do I need? What What is it that I need? And maybe sometimes that's so unfamiliar to put yourself first. If you're listening to this, you know, and again, if anything resonates with you, just try to take in what I'm saying right now. Wherever you are in the world, you know, there's different cultures and different cultures have different relationships with with their parents. And I know um, there's some cultures where they believe that their parents, you know, are the, the, the demigods in their life. You know, they become, they come before anything else. And that's, I'm not here to tell anyone that, you know, you have to, to change from that perspective and start to kind of see things from a different perspective. But everything starts at that level of understanding when you're the child. Even when you're in the womb, you know, and you're feeding off of mum's emotions. You come into the world traditionally, you know, traditions are passed down. This is how you do it. This is how your father and mother did it. This is how your grandparents did it. This is what is expected of you. I went to India once, twice actually, um, and I, I had a journey there. Not, um, It wasn't a tourist holiday, it was working with a charity. Um, so I was, I was honoured to be around people, street people, and to see how the, the class system out there, there's such a, 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 wide, a wide separation in the class system out there. And I also discovered the relationship with the women that married the, the, the guy um, and she went to live with the family. So she became part of her husband's family. And I heard many, many different stories of women that had been abused, women that had even been killed because their character and their personality you know, they, they were strong, they were not standing for some of the things that they should, that was expected of them. And it was a in, very interesting um, experience to see women from that culture um, in different parts of India. I had a friend in the south and I remember saying to her, talking to her about my experience in India and how women were treated in, in certain areas, especially the rural areas that I went to, that I visited. And she said, I don't believe you. That's happening in my country? No. And I was like, yes, yeah, this, this is what's going on. And she had no clue. She came from a very affluent, privileged background, but she had no clue of how women were, some women were subservient to their family, their husband's families, and they had to forego and let go of their life and just be submissive to the husband and to the family. And in some cases, you know, a lot of women would do commit suicide. It's interesting with relationships, how we have our own, um, idealistic way of seeing different relationships you you look at a couple and you think wow they must have it all going on you know they look great together next thing you hear they're getting divorced 
What's that about? We never know what's going on in someone's life. We never know what is the spark between two people that is there in the beginning that starts to fade out. I always believe that two years, two years is the, you meet someone, it takes two years to live with someone and to get to know someone. And I personally believe after that two year, that two year um, period, masks start to fall down, our habits start to become more transparent. What we were carrying before we met that person, we kind of put under, we put that under the carpet. We meet someone, life is great. You know, we're having great sex. We're physically, emotionally, mentally tuned into each other. And then somewhere along the line, usually after a couple of years, that person starts to reveal who they really are. And that's usually because maybe the other person, their personality is a bit too strong, or there might be some a trigger, a, a resemblance of someone, someone else in a previous relationship. So this is where the relationship starts to change. This is where relationships start to change, when the mask starts to drop and we reveal who we really are. I'm very fortunate with my partner of 12 years that I'm with at the moment because after my my last marriage, um, a relationship was the last thing that I wanted. And it took me about five years to fall in love with my partner. And I can honestly say that I pushed and pushed and pushed and tried to sabotage that relationship as much as possible. And now I see why it was because it was so unfamiliar to me to be with someone that was kind, that listened to me, that was caring, someone that didn't try to control me, someone that let me be myself. And that can be strange to a lot of us. It can be strange when it's unfamiliar to have someone in a relationship that values you and sees you, sees beyond the surface. They see the depth of your soul, the depth of your spirit. And sometimes that's how, you know, that um, that dark part of us, that lower self, starts to come out, starts to revive itself, starts to express itself through the sabotager. So trying to sabotage a relationship that is good, it's, it's always because you feel safe with that person. That person has given you the space to be you. And sometimes if you don't know who you are, if your personality is based on what you've been told who you are, then it's a whole new journey, a whole new chapter in, in getting to understand and to appreciate and to love the person that you are, the authentic you. The authentic you before the personality kind of was corrupted and we were told as children that we were selfish, that we were vain, that we were this, that we were sly, that we were deceitful, that we were covetous, that we were greedy. All these negative terms, all these negative statements that are imprinted into our mind it makes us believe that's who we are, that's who we really are. 
personality versus character. The character of a man is not judged by who he is, but the content of his heart. And I read somewhere recently, um, it's not important who you are. It's, it's, no, it's not important what you do. It's more important who you are. So I listened to that. I, I took that in. I thought, wow, that makes so much sense. When we can walk in our spiritual light, when we can walk on the journey of self-salvation, when we can walk on the journey of love, self-love, self-acceptance, when we can tune in to that beautiful part of us that only we know, when we can own our shadow, when we can own the parts of us that we don't like, that we've made to believe we're unlovable. Only then can we actually let go of loved ones that abuse us, loved ones that don't give us, that don't appreciate us and don't deserve us. Only then can we start to walk in our own light, in our own reflection. It's hard, it's really hard to understand that to love someone is to first of all love yourself. Time changes nothing but people do. People show their character and nothing more clearly than in what they think laughable. My name is Lana Lynn Marino and you've been listening to my podcast Journeys to Wellness. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you can find me on <laughs> my email, lana at wellnessjourneys.co.uk. And please, any questions, please get in touch. But for now, go away, have a great day. And um, remember to check in and check out, you know, still feeling that love for yourself. Doing an inner inquiry every day. How am I today? How do I feel? Right now I don't feel good. I don't feel bad. That's a hard one. I think I'll save that for the next recording. (laughs) Take care.